Hi, I'm Mark Westcott. And it's Tom McVeigh from Murdoch Lawyers, here again for another 7 Minute Wisdom. Great to catch up again, Tom. Um, thanks for your time today. And the topic today is called estate planning, not just a will. And for a lot of people, when they think about estate planning, uh, especially people who may not necessarily have a, a business or a big business, um, all they think about is just getting their will done. And that, that's really just the start of the process, isn't it? Without making it complicated, I mean, there's much more to estate planning than just a will. So what are some of the things that you go through with people? Uh, absolutely, Mark. Well, so uh, the first thing I think is the will is typically the foundation document, if you like, and we can have different types of wills. We can have standard wills and we can have a testamentary trust will, which gives a lot more benefit to the surviving family. And we can talk about testamentary trust at another time. But uh, in addition to that foundation document, we have... Uh, a power of attorney. So uh, this allows people to appoint someone to make decisions on their behalf if they lose capacity and those decisions might be uh, in relation to health or in relation to financial matters. Uh, another another uh, document uh, is called an advanced health directive and these are a document where you can express your wishes in the event of you've been determined to be terminally ill Right. Uh, and you can ask for medical procedures or not uh, medical procedures. So in other words, you, you communicate to the surviving family what your wishes are. Tom, in different states there's different rules in regard to advanced health directives, aren't there? So you can't, if, uh, depending on where you live, depends on what you can do, is that right? That, that is correct, although the, 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 each state probably, as a rule, recognises the documents from other states, uh, if that's the only documents that's there. Uh, but it is preferable to have a, a power of attorney in your state of domicile or where your assets are. And in fact, uh, the enduring power of attorney is the same thing, isn't it? I mean, that they have each state seems to have a different form for that as well. Yes, uh, there are. So uh, we, we have clients who have a need to have two, three or four different powers of attorney to enable them to operate in those different states. Okay. Um, what's the, what are some of the other things that you have to so one uh, of the, take care of, Tom? One of the uh, significant assets that people will have on death is superannuation. So um, it's dealing with what happens to your super. So super is not something that's personally owned by you. It'll either be in an institution, uh, so AMP or someone like that will be managing it, or it'll be in a self-managed super fund environment. And quite often we need to direct those trustees, those people who control it after your death, as to what's to happen. And you have uh, this binding death nominations, which a number of people who are listening would have heard of binding death nominations, and most of those have a time frame, don't they? Like every three years you have to renew them, and or they, they just expire. That's correct, and particularly the ones that are based in the industry funds, they'll typically have a three-year limit, but that's, be, that's changing more and more. But it probably doesn't hurt to review it uh, if you do do a binding death benefit nomination every three years, just to make sure that it is still relevant. Tom, what's... Um, Sometimes I know with the clients that we've dealt with together, uh, you've suggested not to have a binding death nomination and to have the money just go in to the estate. Can you maybe just give a bit of background on why different horses for courses? Probably the main reason is flexibility. Um, and people would realise that whilst uh, superannuation is very much an attractive uh, 
a way to own our wealth in retirement. Uh, laws do change and circumstances do change. So if we, if we don't have a particular reason to have a binding death benefit nomination, then we like to have flexibility. However, uh, it, sometimes it is necessary. So it's, everyone will have a different set of circumstances. Yeah, so yeah, you've really got to ask the questions and find out what their circumstances are. So for example, if there was a child with special needs or whatever that was still dependent, then Correct. that's a great tax-effective way to, Correct. to and, get money to them. And uh, in these days, there's the, the two families. So it's the, it's the kids from a previous relationship. Should we deal with them outside of super or inside of super? A lot of issues in that, but we may require a binding death benefit nomination to make sure that those children get uh, looked after out of super rather than going to the, the new family. If I ask any more questions about this, it's going to take more than seven minutes, so we better keep moving on with this one, Tom. Um, you've, also, you've also talked here about having guidelines for siblings and guidelines for, for the trustees of the estate. Yes, so, so what we're talking about here is you do a will and it's, pretty, it's very legal in its content. Uh, sometimes it's nice to give a, a letter or a, a, a guideline to executors or trustees or particularly guardians of young children. So if we've got uh, uh, young children and the, 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 the parents want to make sure they get educated at a certain school and so on, so we can communicate those things fine. You'd want, good, you'd want good schools like TSS or something? Some would say that, yes. <laughs> Uh, probably the only other thing that I can think of is uh, quite often when we've got complicated estates and we want to equalise between beneficiaries, we, we, there's a lot of documentation around those sort of opportunities. So, yeah. so it's not just a will, no? At the end of not, the day. not just a will. And of course, um, if someone goes into a newsagent and buys a $30 will, then that's all they're getting and, uh, and less, isn't it? So. You know, I think you pay for what you get, and uh, sadly, in those circumstances, experience tells us that the, the estate ends up paying significant legal costs uh, post-death to fix up the problem. And, and the trouble is, in those situations, is that the money actually comes out of the estate, doesn't it? So if, if uh, there's only a certain amount of money in the estate and you're wanting to do all the, if, and your intent you've discussed wants, uh, wants you to do all these certain things, then uh, if there's disputes, and challenges to the will is just dissipating what's available. Absolutely. Mm. Very interesting, Tom. Thanks for uh, thanks for your time today. Once again, very interesting topic, and uh, look forward to seeing you again, Tom, on the next version of Seven Minute Wisdom. I'm Mark Westcott. I'm Tom McVeigh. Thank you.